Hi everyone, welcome back to Life is Love School. Today's topic is how to do low contact like a pro. And this discussion came up in our tribe membership group. And some of the ladies are wondering, how do you do low contact with a family member that is toxic? Specifically, if the family member is creating a lot of anxiety or stress in your life and maybe they want a lot more contact than you feel comfortable with or maybe they would deliberately say or do things to get a reaction from you, you are not quite ready to cut them out of your life. Maybe because you have a tight-knit family and cutting out this family member might make it more difficult for you to interact with other family members. It may create awkwardness that you're not ready to confront yet. Or maybe for you, you still want some level of connection with this person. It might be apparent that you're just not quite ready to let go of. And I think for some people, it's really a transition period between low contact to no contact. Because a lot of times it's very difficult, even if we know fundamentally in our heart that eventually the right thing for us to do is to cut off contact with this toxic person, we may not be in an emotional state where we're ready to do that. So going low contact and slowly phasing out is sometimes a preferred choice. If you're new to this channel, please like and subscribe. Just click some buttons. You can't go wrong and you'll get notifications for upcoming episodes. I also love to hear any comments. I read your comments and a lot of times I would do a video in response to it or to answer questions. So let's get to it. So what are the key things you have to be mindful of when you decided to do low contact? I think everything, and I think you guys have heard me talk about this so many times, which is everything starts with the mindset. So you have to get the mindset down and you have full control over your mindset. And I think when it comes to mindset, the two key things to get a hold of are to recognize that they likely cannot change, will not change, and certainly will not change for you. That's the um, sum it up for narcissism, it's, it's all about them. They don't feel for you, they don't understand your need, nor do they care. And that's why a lot of times the psychological studies and mental health professionals would say that for the most part, seriously narcissistic people, those that go into the narcissistic personality disorder category, they cannot change because they don't self-reflect. When a person feels that they've done no wrong and if anything went wrong, it's never their fault, they point their fingers elsewhere, they are never going to change. So to get this down pat in your head that you cannot expect a different person, you are not gonna get a different mother, you're not gonna get a different father, those are all your fantasies, you gotta let that go. What you've had thus far is most likely the person you're gonna continue to get. So letting go of the fantasy, accepting them for who they are is number one. Number two is to stop looking at them for any kind of validation. If you look to them for validation, they could use it to hook you, meaning that if you try to say no, they will guilt trip you, they could threaten to take away affection, and you will be really scared. So make sure that you don't count on their validation, you have to validate yourself. You're no longer a child. You don't need the approval of your parents. You don't need them for survival. 
you're okay by yourself. So the number one key thing is to nail the mindset and this is completely in your control. So number two is strong, strong boundaries. When it comes to dealing with not just narcissistic people, but toxic people in general, your protection, your shield is your boundaries. So what are some typical situations where you want to have boundaries? Well, for example, you might not want to see a narcissistic person as much as they want to see you. So this is a perfect example where you should tell them when and how often you feel comfortable seeing them and be very firm about that. Whenever it comes to setting boundaries, it is saying the thing, no excuses and repeating as often as necessary. And it may seem really strange that you have to keep repeating the same thing, but narcissistic people have a very entitled attitude and they don't take no for an answer. So they will keep pressing you. And if you cave, what you've taught them is that your boundaries are not real. And then they will keep going at you. It's sort of like a shark that smells blood. So when it comes to boundary setting, you rather set fewer boundaries, but be able to actually deliver the consequences and do as you said, than to set too many boundaries that are just empty threats. Now, another situation you might want to set boundaries is to be very cognizant of the information you share them. I've had tribe members tell me that they're so frustrated that their mother is criticizing them about their life choices, their choice of partners, their choice of careers, how they choose to rear their children, etc. But when I asked them, so how did your mother get this information? The tribe member, you know, being very self-aware, immediately realizes that she was the one who initially shared all this information with the mother. So once she had that realization, she very quickly learned to really taper back what information she does share. So when you do low contact, a lot of times it's being very superficial, talking about the weather, talking about things that will not create a attack surface for that narcissistic person to use it against you, right? Anything that could bother you, they will take it and they will try to get a reaction because they really enjoy just getting that drama, getting that reaction. So make sure you don't feed them any information that you feel like they could use against you. So another typical boundary area is how and when you could be contacted. So for example, a lot of times narcissistic people, they have no sense of your time is yours or your energy is yours. They will try to call you, text you, email you, and expect an immediate response at all hours. So your goal here is to make sure that you respond only to those messages that you want to respond. You respond only when you feel comfortable in responding. You never have to respond right away. If they then guilt trip you to say, how come you didn't respond to me you know, within the hour, tell them that you're busy and that you don't respond to any messages within the hour and basically take or leave it. You have to have this confidence that your time, your energy, your space, etc., is yours and you own it. Nobody gets to tell you what you can and cannot do with these resources. It's yours. So be very firm about that. And that's the only way you can teach them how to behave around you. Now, if they don't respect your boundaries, let's say that you tell them you specifically do not want to be the go-between between your narcissistic mother and your brother. You know, a lot of times 
these parents would then try to use one sibling to act as a go-between to another. For example, I want you to tell your brother that I think his girlfriend is not good enough and he should leave her. Simply refuse to be the go-between. Tell her that you will not be a go-between between anyone. If she wants to tell your brother something, communicate directly with him. You take yourself out of that picture. Now, if she keeps badgering you about that, make it very clear. You're disregarding my boundary. I've said this before. I've said it again. If you bring it up a third time, the conversation will end. I will hang up your call. I will delete your email, or I will just simply, you know, back away even further and I will see you even less frequently. So you have to show through consequences and deliver that so that they would respect your boundaries. Now, if they are actively irking you, and this is point number three is you have two choices. If they continue to do things that are kind of just sniding or trying to poke you or being passive aggressive, saying things that they know will bother you, what you could do is either call it out or to do gray rock. So I'll give you an example. Let's say that uh, you really care about environmental uh, causes, etc. You really don't like people that don't recycle. And your narcissistic father would then say, well, you know, these people are so stupid. It's such a waste of time and waste of water to clean up these jars and make sure that it's recycled. People should just toss it. He's just looking for a reaction from you. And he would take other examples, you know, that you, that he knows would irk you. Maybe he knows that you're seeing a mental health professional and he would then make fun of other people that are seeing a psychologist or therapist knowing that this would bother you. Now you could either gray rock, which is have absolutely no reaction to what he just said. It's as if he's a transparent person, as if he didn't speak at all. So they're looking for a reaction. You give them no reaction. Eventually they'll stop. Or you could do the call out approach, which is you're shining a flashlight on their passive aggressive behavior. Because for some people, just being a gray rock is too difficult. You can simply say, it sounds like you are trying to irk me by mentioning the mental health professional and how our family members are maybe seeking help. Are you trying to irk me or am I reading something wrong? So what this person then will do being a narcissist is they will immediately try to deflect. They will pretend innocent and say, oh no, you know, that's not what I meant at all. But next time when they try to say it, they will know that you're up to their game. So what passive aggressive people hate the most is having a flashlight shine on them because they like to crawl and kind of do their stabbing in the dark in a secret. And these conniving beings do not like the sunlight on them. So what you're doing is literally shining a spotlight on them. Now, let me know, you know, what are some of the situations where you run into, put it in a comment where people are doing passive aggressive actions. I found that narcissistic people really, really love passive aggressiveness as a tool. And it can be especially triggering if you're in a low contact situation. For those of you that are ready to go no contact, and I think a lot of people eventually go from low to no contact simply because as you heal and as you grow more in self-love and you bring more healthy, happy people into your life, you realize the contrast between this toxic person, narcissistic person, and 
people that are healthy and happy and who actually lift you. And you realize that you just don't have any more bandwidth in your life to make space for these, you know, whatever people that you really just adds nothing to your life. And at that point, you're ready to say family or not, abuse is abuse. And just because I'm blood related to you does not excuse abuse. And I've seen a lot of people take that brave step and cut off contact completely. Now, some of you that are considering no contact may feel that it's so definitive that, you know, this is once and done. I can never go back. No contact is no contact for life. That is also not true. So everything in life can be changed, reevaluated if you have new information. So maybe either you healed, so you're no longer triggered, you're able to see this narcissistic person as a toddler, this rascal as they are, or this person actually miraculously changed. You know, I'm going to say never say never in a very, very limited, very small percentage of narcissistic individuals. They might run into a life crisis, maybe a serious illness or a breakup that actually propels them to finally look at themselves and see why their lives isn't working and why people are cutting them off and they might get better. So you could always reevaluate. So don't feel like just because you went from low contact to no contact that that's a one-way road. It is not, right? But you have to know who you are. Like if you are not a jade pothos, like the plant that I have in the back, which can basically survive in the harshest environment, you don't have to water it very much, but if you overwater it, it also doesn't die. It could uh, survive in low light, even though it loves high, you know, more light. If you're not an easy care plant, you know, make sure that you're not subjecting yourself to repeated abuse because it's very, very hard to heal in the same place with the same people that created the trauma in you in the first place. So that's the conclusion of today's episode. I hope you find it helpful. I would love for you to join Tribe if you find this type of discussion useful and you will meet a lot of wonderful ladies that are very insightful, very supportive, and very compassionate. And more importantly, they've gone through and they understand what you're going through. So you're never feeling alone. Until next time, I hope you have a wonderful week.